Warning, we use salty language in the show. Jewel, tell everybody who sponsors us so we can get the show started. Let's go, let's go, let's go. One in seven children has experienced child abuse and or neglect in the past year. What's, what's up, what's up? I'm Sarah, the mother. I'm Jewel, the daughter. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to What the F, F is Lady Like. The only reason why child abuse is alive today is because we, as adults, have failed our children. When we fail to listen to them, listen to a child today. discussing things that might not be appropriate for every human being to listen to. Please be advised on our language and topic. If you have triggers regarding abuse, I highly recommend that you do not listen to today's episode. We want to welcome you to today's show. This is going to be a heavy, heavy topic that we're going to be talking about, but it's something that needs to be addressed and talked about. I think you can agree with me, right, Mom? Yeah. We're going to be breaking this down in two different um, cases. Mm -hmm. Jewel has a case, and I have a case. Mm -hmm. We're going to be discussing uh, child abuse. Yeah, we're going to talk about child abuse as a whole, and then we're going to talk about a couple of children's situations that they've unfortunately had to go through. And both of these cases have been in the media, um, one really in the media, um, and the other one... It was on just, a Netflix series. It was, it was. And we're, we're going to be talking about not just the abuse, but in the bottom line, who's being held accountable. And what we... As individuals, parents, neighbors, friends, family can do to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we do have several resources that we will give to you after we have gone over these cases. And remember, you know, we're, we're a community. And anything that we can do to help, we're going to do. We want to be a good resource and helpline for you guys, too. So if you guys ever need to reach out, we are always here. We're always here to listen. We're always here to help. I'm going to give you our email address. Our email address is what the F is ladylike at gmail.com. You can email us, and if we don't have the answer... We will try to forward it to somebody that does have the answer for you. 
We will do what we can to help you guys. We care about you guys. And sometimes because I work a full schedule, I may not get back to you for 24 hours, but I will get back to you. Uh, Jules got a full schedule and, and we will get we will get back to you within about 24 hours. With that being said, we're going to start our show. Yes, we are. And we're just going to dive right in, guys. Um, I just want to start with just talking about just some facts about child abuse. And like I, you hear in the beginning, it is one in seven children has experienced child abuse in the U.S. in the past year. Just in the past year, that is, I'm look, going to the park and I see more than seven children. You know what I mean? And that's just a lot to me. That's just, ugh. And neglect is the most common form of child abuse, followed by physical abuse, sexual abuse, and psychological abuse. And I have to remind you guys, and you guys probably know this from our previous shows, it is unfortunate, but these stats, they're not keeping us up to date. So these stats that I'm giving you guys is from 2018. And I want to tell you guys that I'm going to try my hardest to get the most recent stats up to date because I don't think that's okay. That is way behind for me. And I think we need to know what is going on now. And that's one of the biggest problems that we have when we try to present this information Mm -hmm. to you is no matter what topic we talk about, they don't make public to us what the actual stats are. So it's very unfortunate um, on each one of the topics that we talk about. But Jewel has tried to figure out a way that she can do it by state to try and figure that out. Yeah, I want to try and really figure it out for you guys so you guys have that information. Because, so this is from 2018, and it says about 16% of children who were abused experienced more than one kind of maltreatment. So there was more than one abuse type happening. Boys and girls experience similar rates of child abuse. The numbers that they have right now is 48.6% and 51% respectively. Rates of child abuse and neglect are five times higher for children and families with low socioeconomic status. For people who don't know what that means, that is with low income and people who don't have maybe the best living circumstances. Um, compared, and it's saying compared to children with families with higher socioeconomic status. Which it says that, but I find and I see that it doesn't matter kind of really if you have a rich status or not, because I can bet you there are probably people who are rich that are their children may still be getting abused and we may not Mm -hmm. know about it. I was asking the question earlier, Jewel, like since we're going into this topic and Mm -hmm. I know you have more on these stats, but... Mm -hmm. During COVID, what do you think happened to these children that got abused? Um, I mean, that's what I really want to know. I really want to know. And I, unfortunately, um, and this is my opinion, uh, I don't think good things were happening. I think it was getting worse for them. Mm -hmm. I think because there was added stressors to the parents or people who are taking care of these children. Um, that were already 
having stressors to obviously let out that abuse on their children. There's added stressors that concern me that maybe they went further, you know, there could be things that we just don't know about. There's been occasions that I've heard just recently that there's parents leaving their children in the car and their babies are dying from the heat or even from the cold. It just breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. just breaks my heart. There was a couple who went on a binge playing video games, ignored their baby, and left them their baby tied up in a, like, locked in a um, swing, and the baby unfortunately died. I want to r remind people that if you... If you don't have the best situation and you become pregnant, there are other options. There are placements for these children to have a better home and to have a happy life. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, is there any, any other stats that we should be aware of, Jewel, um, as we're going into this? Uh, yeah. So... Um, the children that are one year or younger are most vulnerable to malnour malnourishment. And that's kind of what I was explaining about the babies. Because they can just easily just leave a baby. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Babies are so... They don't move. Mm -hmm. And that's so sad. But that that's unfortunate. But that is the stats that I'm seeing. That it, under one years old, they're most likely to die from malnourishment. Mm -hmm. Um... In 2018, 76% of child abuse perpetrators were a parent to the victim. And in 2018, 62% of children placed in foster care. So these are places where these children are thinking they're going to get a break, you guys. And they got removed from foster care because 62% of them were due, due to abuse and neglect and that was totaling over 160,000 children. And that was just in 2018, you guys. And we're in 2021. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure the numbers were only getting higher. And this is for people who experience child abuse from ch obviously child, but grow into adult and survive. So adult survivors of child abuse are more likely to experience mental health difficulties including depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, PTSD, eating disorders, and substance use disorders because they feel like there's no way out. Yeah. There's no escape from the... That's just so much trauma to endure. Right. Um, those, those are um, a couple facts that I have. I have some numbers for just the United States... I don't have numbers for globally, and I would love to try and figure out what those numbers were. Child abuse is a horrific experience with potentially lasting effects. It is also, unfortunately, a common experience in America. To hear that it's a common experience in America, I just don't like to hear that. Um, here's a look at the scope of the problem. Nearly... 700,000 children are abused in the U.S. each year. An estimated 678,000 children were victims of abuse and neglect in 2018, the most recent year for which there is a national data. 
So they do put out that that is the most recent national data they have. That's about 1% of the kids in a given year. However, this data may be incomplete and the actual number of children abuse is likely underreported. Just like how I'm telling you guys, it's definitely underreported. So child welfare authorities ensure the safety of more than 3.5 million kids. This is coming from um, the Children Advocacy Center. This is what it says. More than 3.5 million children received an investigation or alternative response from Child Protective Services agencies. An estimated 1.9 million children received prevention services. I'm going to tell you how child abuse impacts kids. Child abuse is deadly. In 2018, an estimated 1,770 children died from abuse and neglect in the United States. Nationally, neglect is the most common form of abuse. Three out of five victims were neglected. Only more than 10% were physically abused, and only 7% were sexually abused. Yet the statistics indicate a more complex problem where children experience multiple forms of abuse. In 2018, more than 15% of kids were polyvictimized, which polyvictimized means suffered two or more forms of abuse. That doesn't sit well with me, guys. That really doesn't sit well. No, it makes my stomach just curdle. And I do have to let you guys know talking about this topic today has made my stomach very unsettling and it but this is something that needs to be talked about because these children are important yeah children are important we need to do something about that and we're going to do we're going to talk about what we're going to do spread that message about you know stop child abuse stop child abuse and it comes from you as an adult being responsible it's literally the saying you hear if you see something say something don't that's being neglectful if you see a child being abused that's not okay if you do not report it no and we have friends that um, are mandatory reporters whether they're working or not yes. and they're mandatory reporters and you as our community, I would like to like try to make a pledge that we will become mandatory reporters no matter what. We need to stand up for these children who can't stand up for themselves. And I'm going to pledge that I am going to become a mandatory reporter. What about you, Joel? Are you going to pledge that you're going to be a mandatory reporter? I always am. I, I, I unfortunately have always I've had to do it last year, and yeah. uh, it does not does not feel good. Does not feel good. But I'm glad I said something. You know, there's a difference between like reporting for the right reasons and reporting for the wrong reasons. But if you see something, let's say at a grocery store, and it's very unsettling, you're going to see it, right? Let's report it. Um, how did you how did you report yours, Joel? 
You you called the the cops, right? Yeah. So this was my first experience really having to do something like this. I was just going and getting a car wash, and we went and parked and to let our car dry, and we seen a car. It was a male with his two children. He was passed out in the driver's seat. Another baby passed out in the back seat, no older than three years old, and a younger child who was awake in the passenger seat with the window barely cracked on a hot day. Mm -hmm. My significant other tried to wake up the guy. He did not wake up. We had to call the cops, and the car eventually left. I had an appointment that I had to go to, but I called the cops, wanted to make sure that they followed up with it, and it's sad. I I don't know whatever happened to those two children and if they're okay to this day. But I do know because my friend who was working there at the uh, car wash place where we got it done had let me know that the cops did follow up and go there. And I think the officers got the mail to wake up. But unfortunately, nothing was done. Um, the, I think the, I think the car they ju- uh, my friend just said that they woke the guy up and the gu- guy drove off with the children in the car. Well, let's just talk about a, a famous case here, Joel. Let's talk about the death of Kaylee Anthony. Oh, that poor baby girl. I mean, let's talk about that because that one was in the media. I mean, it was like well coverage. It was in the courtroom. Everybody got to watch it. Yeah, there was it even was a movie huge. about it. But let's bring that back into light real quick. Let's, um, Kaylee Marie Anthony was born August 9th, 2005. She does not have the date of death. The reason why is because they don't know the day she died. She died 2008. The last reported that she had been seen was June 16th. There's there's like a little controversy on this little, little thing. You read a whole bunch of back and forth kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. 911, what's your emergency? <laughs> I called a little bit ago, the deputy sheriff saying I found out my granddaughter has been taken. She has been missing for a month. Her her mother finally admitted that she's been missing. Cindy, Kaylee's grandmother, called in July 15, 2008. She called her in missing. Cindy said she hadn't seen Kaylee for 31 days and that Casey's car smelled like a dead body in the back of the trunk. You know, right there, right there just gets me. And I have to stop right there before we even move on to this story. 31 days, 31 days, 31 days. That's your baby girl, dude. So Casey, Casey Anthony, what did, what did Nancy call her? Tot mom, tot mom. Casey lied through the whole thing. I mean, 
Casey lied to de detectives saying that Kaylee had been kidnapped by Zanny the Nanny. Remember Zanny the Nanny? Is I that remember like a... that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that she had been trying to find her daughter. Oh, she'd been trying to find her. Yeah, right. Why didn't you alert the authorities, lady? Well, and why, when you're saying you're reportedly looking for her, is there photos, evidence of you partying while she's missing? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. what the heck? Well, here's the thing. She got, she got arrested. <laughs> but before all of that, it was like a show. And meanwhile, her baby girl was lying in the woods, not being found this whole time. Now, there is speculation that, you know, she's been, Kaylee had been chloroform for Casey to go party. Like, I need a babysitter. My babysitter is going to be Zanny the nanny. We're going to make that up. We're going to chloroform her. Go out and party. She used that, I think, on a multiple occasions. So I'm, I'm, my conclusion is maybe she went a little bit too far. That's what I'm going to conclude. Already said they're going to pin this on me if they don't find Kaylee. They've already said that. Well, they arrested me because they said that. Yeah, because they said that the person that you dropped Kaylee with doesn't even exist. Because, oh, look, they can't find her in the Florida database. She's not just from Florida. If they so, she was, Casey Anthony was charged on first-degree murder in October. Okay, so that was a long time, right? It's a very long time. You know what? Poor Kaylee wasn't even found until December 11th, 2008. It's sad. The detectives, they went, she, she said she worked somewhere. And she, she took this, you know, detour around the, the building and led the detectives all on this chase. And she lied. And she finally told them she didn't work there. Now, if you if somebody has lied over and over and over again, wouldn't you think that you would wake the fuck up? But one no. would think, one no. would think, but um, I guess not the world we live in. No. Mm -mm. On December eleventh, two thousand eight, two-year-old. Kaylee's skeleton remains were found within a blanket inside a laundry bag in the wooded area near the Anthony's family house. Investigators reported testimonial varied between duct tape being found near the front of the skull and on the mouth of the skull. The medical examiner mentioned duct tape as one reason she was determined dead. Well, the cause of death was listed. Death is 
undetermined means. <sighs> you know, the trial lasts six weeks from May to July of 2011. The prosecution sought the death penalty and alleged Casey wished to be free herself from parenting responsibilities. Now, if you want to be free of your parent responsibilities, there are other ways, people, than to kill your child. There are other ways than putting chloroform to put your child to sleep so you can go party. Hmm. So, the alleged is that she was murdered by administering chloroform than implying duct tape, which this case went on and on and on. You know, according to Casey's father, Casey had left the family home on June 16, 2008, taking her daughter. So that was the last time that they saw Kaylee, who was almost going to turn three years old and did not return. And if they had such a close relationship before, why did it take 31 days, man? 31 days, Joel. You know, if I didn't hear from my grandkids for 31 days, like even when you were in Spokane, Joel, yeah. 31 days, there's no way. If I, if, if I was FaceTiming with you or, right. you know, if I didn't see... I'd be like, where the hell are my grandkids? <laughs> yeah. I mean, same thing. Right. With Brent, it, it, same thing with Sebastian. If I would not have seen pictures, if I would not be able to see him, hear him, talk to him, I would think something was up, man. Right. 31 days, man. That's a long time. That's a long time. Long time, man. Long time. I mean, I know not everybody is me, and I'm not the perfect person, but I pay attention to those kind of things. The trial went on that long for six months. And guess what? She was found not fucking guilty. And you know what? That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> it is bullshit. Now, I know that... Mm, okay. You're supposed to be proven... You're innocent until proven guilty, right? There was 400 pieces of evidence that was submitted within the court. 400 pieces of evidence. You know, from strand of hair found in the trunk of the car, where the, the, the smell was coming from. It just doesn't make any sense to me that even after she was found, let's say, let's say she didn't do it. Let's say she didn't do it. Who she did fucking do it? did. She fucking did it. I know. But who, 
Okay. If she didn't do it, then her and her parents had something to do with it. Right. But guess what? They're Nobody's all hiding. Put in jail. Yeah, they're all hiding. They're all hiding it. They're all cowards. Didn't you say that somebody tried to commit suicide? Was it the, the father? The uh, Casey's dad. He tried to commit suicide. And I think this was um, after Casey was coming out saying that he reportedly sexually abused her as a child. And so he was disgusted with himself and yada, yada, yada. I mean, this was such a public case. I mean, there was even recordings of her in jail. Um, It just... There's nobody, don't you think, with all the technology that we have, come on, we can't live without that fucking technology, right? Makes zero sense to me. If we can have a Tesla, Jesus, oh my God, come on, people. Come on, I mean, the DNA, she did it. There was testimony, right? Dude, and not only if that, like, she is neglecting her child that whole 31 days because there's printed, dated evidence that she's sitting there partying while her daughter is missing. What are you doing? You're you're searching where? At someone's house partying while someone's taking a shot off your body? Yeah, okay, your child will be right there. So in Florida, Orange County Courthouse, July 5th, 2011, not guilty on the first count of murder. One count of aggravated manslaughter of a child and one count of abuse guilty on four counts of providing false information to the law enforcement. Casey Anthony was given credit for the time served in prison and was released on July 17, 2011. Oh, you guys want to know something that's even crazier? She wants to have another baby. That, that, (sighs) no. No, she should not be allowed to have children. No. Here's the thing. Bottom line, this child died. An innocent child died. An innocent child died. There is nobody being accountable for that child's loss. It was no accident. It was no accident. No accident. There was no Zanny the nanny. There was none of that. I mean, come on. Come on, Florida. Tell me who killed Kaylee Anthony. So these people need to be accountable. This is a child. She, we're going to be her voice. And I want to know who killed Kaylee Anthony. Guess what? You can't be tried for the same murder. Right, Casey Anthony? If you're listening. I hope you are, I bitch. Hope, yeah, I hope you are. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not that ladylike. No, we become pretty passionate when it's about children. Yeah. These kids these kids don't deserve this. They 
they deserve to be happy. They deserve, they're, they're fucking kids, guys. That is when they're supposed to imagine and dream. You're taking that away when you're doing that to your fucking kids. So, so guess what? If you can't take care of your child, guess what? There are people that can help you. I don't know what the truth is on this case. I do know a child died. A child was abused. And there is nobody being held accountable for her death. I mean, what do you... There's got to be a way, you the listeners, there's got to be a way where... I mean, I know the double, the is it double jeopardy or double, what is that? You can't be tried? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But don't you think that should change? I mean, let's say they didn't, pro- you know. I definitely think it should change because if, for instance, if prisoners have the chance to, like, what Kim did, and this is, like, totally... Yeah, she did this. She got <clears throat> she got people out of prison for wrongfully convictions or whatever, like, you know what I mean? So I feel like people who, if they have more evidence and if they find more stuff, definitely, I think, yeah, they need to be fucking, like, retried for it. 100%. When you have a child and you commit to that child and you commit to that child's life and you're the parent, you have to do whatever it takes for that child. And if you can't do that, then that's when you need to, can't we just, if you can't do it, you physically can't do it, don't harm the child. It is better before the child is abused by a parent if they can be adopted into a beautiful home, a healthy home. You know, I don't know where this case went wrong because, I mean, I was following it the whole time. I was shocked as shit when she got off scot-free. I mean, she's changed her name now. On July 5th, the jury found Casey not guilty on counts of, you know, murder, aggravated manslaughter of a child and finding her her guilty on counts four, four, four through seven of providing false information on the law. So it seems like that was the only thing she got in trouble on, right? Was false information? You're telling yeah. me it was just false information is all mm-hmm. she got in trouble for? Because Anthony said that she was employed at at Universal Studios, and guess what? She just let him on a chase there. And then she said she left Kaylee at an apartment complex with the babysitter, you know, causing law enforcement to pursue pursue that missing, you know, Zanny the nanny. And she, she let him on a chase there. Right. And then Anthony said... She was informed to employees at Universal Studios of the disappearance of Kaylee. So she made up the story saying that these employees, you know, notified her, right? 
<laughs> man. Anthony, it's not funny. I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing because... No, she's just a she, crazy bitch. Exactly. Anthony said she had received a phone call and had spoken to Kaylee on July 15, 2008, causing the law enforcement to further go through resources, right? So that's what she, she got in trouble for. There was a lot of media coverage on it. I know I don't have to go into too much of, you know, details. It was almost like, you know, as much coverage as the O.J. Simpson trial. So do you feel satisfied about that? No. And I don't think a lot of people do. Since the trial and the messed upness of, guess what? Nobody got a, nobody got charged for anything, except you know, lying. They made a Kaylee law. That's what came out of this. Was they made a Kaylee law? So this Kaylee law would impose stricter requirements on parents to notify law enforcement of the death or disappearance of a child. One such petition circulated change.org. They gained nearly 1.3 million electronic signatures. In response to this, of course, that forced lawmakers in four states, Florida, Oklahoma, New York, West Virginia. What about the rest of the states? Come on, people. Come on. These are children. Let's make Kaylee's Law everywhere. All over the place. Four states. Notify, really? I mean, this just gets me going. The, the law would also stipulate the time frame for notification of disappearance of a young child under the age of 12. Under the age of 12. So they're putting restrictions on it. Okay, if any child is missing, people report it. Doesn't matter the age. This is the kind of crap that we have to read and who is actually being held accountable for these children? <sighs> so, if you're a parent and you're a gar or a guardian and your child is missing, report the child immediately. Report the child immediately. Your stipulation is to do it within 24 hours, but dang it, people. Jill, you know how under the investigation, um, the police said that they had went over Casey's computer? Yeah. Yeah. So on November 12th, no. So on November in 2012, after, after Casey was already found not, uh, not guilty, 
Orlando reported that the police never investigated. Firefox browsed evidence on Casey's computer the day of Kaylee's death. Shut up. Yep. That's huge. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. They only looked at the Internet Explorer evidence. The browser history showed that someone at the Anthony household using a password protected account under Casey's username did a Firefox Google search for foolproof suffocation at 12.51 p.m. and then clicked on another article. Dude. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not. I would never kid you. And in April 2016, transcripts of two 2015 affidavits on private investigation of Casey were filed on the court documents in this matter and picked up by a news service in May 2016. In March of 2017, Casey Anthony gave an interview. The interview, she admits, by lying to the police. When asked about, you know, all of the defense and, you know, all of the evidence, Anthony stated, everyone has their theories. I don't know. As I stand here today, I can't tell you one way or another. The last time I saw my daughter, I believed she was alive and okay. And that's what was told to me. What was told to her? Like what? Meal exchange. Give change, take change, make change. You guys checking out our boy Jesse Sponberg over at UrbanSurvivorMan.com? If not, I highly recommend it. He's got our favorite morning show, Coffee and Bong Hits, Monday through Friday. He has strange game on a volcano going on every Thursday. Is that music getting tiresome? Do you need some fresh new music and beats? Check out Comeback Karma. Liven things up a bit. He's on Instagram. Check him out today. Get a hold of him today. Let's liven things up a bit. Do it. Guys, I would like to remind you, if you like what you're listening to, please like, comment, share, subscribe, and please leave a review. Thank you.
let's dive into your case, Joel. You've been monitoring your case for a long time. Yeah, um, I'm pretty passionate about children in general just because I have two children of my own and becoming a parent and of course you just care about children. Um, so when I heard about this specific case, and I believe I heard about it a couple years ago, because I was too young to even know what was going around during the time of the years when it was happening. But it is the Gabriel Fernandez case. I have to start with saying the thing that makes this case so rare and special is Gabriel lived in a happy, healthy home environment before anything went wrong. At birth, he was taken from his birth parents and put into custody with his great uncle on, his, on Gabriel's mother's side. But unfortunately, in 2009, his grandfather felt he didn't want him living there anymore because his uncle was gay. Come on. So, at four years old, his grandfather took him out of the custody of his his uncle and took care of him. In 2012, the grandfather gave custody back to the mother. So, at this point, Gabriel is eight. He only lived with his mother for six months. The family had concerns before Gabriel lived with his mother. They stressed that to CPS. But yet, she still got custody because she is the mother. And I want to repeat again. He only lived with his mother for six months. And out of that six months, he was beaten, tortured, and malnourished. And I'm going to dive into the exact details of what he went through. And it may be hard to hear, but it needs to be known because this is what is happening to children. And it is sad. So I'm going to tell you guys the abuse that Gabriel Fernandez had to endure. It included being forced to eat cat litter and feces, forced to eat his own vomit, regularly beaten, which caused broken bones, burned in various parts of the body, shot in various areas of the body, including the face and the groin with a BB gun, forced to wear female clothing, forced to sleep bound and gagged in a small cupboard, locked up, pepper sprayed, burned with cigarettes, given cold baths, and forced to eat spoiled or expired foods. Those are just what was reported. That's just disgusting. And I have to tell you this, the siblings, there were siblings, they... It's reported that they did not endure any abuse, but um, I have not dived into any of their backgrounds. But what they had said was, 
while these parents were abusing him, they were laughing while they were doing it, like they enjoyed it. And the male, I can't pronounce his name very well, but Aguirre, reportedly abused Fernandez because he believed he was homosexual. An eight-year-old boy. So I'm going to tell you about multiple occasions that it was reported. Multiple times by Gabriel's school resources, being his teacher and his principal. So his teacher, in the months preceding his death, Fernandez showed his injuries or reported abuse to a security guard. Family members and a teacher, which led to several calls to social workers to no avail. After being hit with a metal belt, he asked his teacher, Jennifer Garcia, if it's normal to bleed. In response, Garcia called social, servi social services and was later called by social worker Stephanie Rodriguez informing her that she was assigned to the case. On another day, Fernandez came to class with chunks of hair missing and a lump on his lip. When questioned about it, Garcia Fernandez said his mother had punched him in his mouth. After having a discussion with the principal, Garcia called Rodriguez back and informed her of the recent signs of abuse. Later, when Fernandez reported to his teacher that he was shot in the face with a BB gun by his mother. She once again informed social services of the new sign of abuse. After Fernandez missed 13 days of school, he returned and his teacher noticed his condition had worsened. She attempted to call Rodriguez, but her call was never returned. Fernandez's great aunt, Elizabeth Carnanza, and her husband called social services three times and talked to sheriffs twice regarding the welfare of Fernandez. 29 days before his death, a security guard, Arturo Miranda Martinez, at a Los Angeles County welfare office, noticed extensive injuries on Fernandez's body, which prompted him to call 911, risking his job to report the injuries to sheriffs. I'm going to pause that and say, how the fuck is it risking your job if you're reporting something being done to a child i want right. to know like what the hell how are you putting your job at risk i want to know what jobs are telling you that you're at risk for doing that that's that's fucked up it is totally fucked up and the numbers i'm about to share with you is going to be pretty pretty devastating um but overall between 2005 and 2012, 60 complaints were filed against Pearl Fernandez and Aguirre to the Los Angeles County Department of Children and Family Services. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. So they received 60 reports of this. Mm -hmm. They had 60, 60 chances to do something. Is that what you're telling me, Joel? Yeah, they had, 
they had so much. And I mean, anybody who even watched the documentary and even just doing some research can see that there was an occasion that social workers showed up and he was locked in the cabinet. So, I mean, 60 times, I can't get past this, 60 times they had the opportunity to do something. Yes. And they didn't. So, okay. And I'm and the, and then the, I'm going to tell you the only consequences that happened to them. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. So, I'm going to talk about the mother. I'm going to talk about the boyfriend, and I'm also going to be talking about the social workers because all of those people took part in this. Okay. And I do want to recognize that the teachers and staff was there. They were reporting it nonstop. They did. So they did their part. Yes. Okay. So two social workers, Stephanie Rodriguez and Patricia Clement, and two supervisors, Kevin Baum and Gregory Merritt, for the Los Angeles County Department of Children and Family Services were fired and charged with child abuse and falsifying public records. The unprecedented charges held significant consequences, including up to 11 years in prison. I mean, I think that's fair. You know yeah. abuse is happening and you ain't doing shit about it. Mm-mm. And you also falsified stuff like... On right. with children, you're gonna do that. Mm-hmm. That's. However, unfortunately, these charges were ultimately dismissed by California's second district court of appeal for lack of probable cause. In January 2020, prosecutors attempted to get a rehearing for the case, but eventually decided to drop the charges. What? Rehear the case, people. Jesus. Okay, go ahead. Oh, you're good, girl. Um, but the thing that I have to compare this to... So, you're telling me... If you have somebody who's a criminal... Which these people are doing criminal acts to this boy. If you have somebody who's criminal... And you have them in your home... And you don't report it to the police and they're looking for them, you get charged for that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Why the fuck are there 60 reports of abuse? And you know this. And you nothing you you got fired from your job, that's it. And you got you got slapped on the wrist and no charges? No, I don't think that's okay. No, because somebody needs to be accountable, especially since there were 60 reports. You you can warn somebody, and you can warn somebody, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. Boom. child is dead. A child is not coming back. Nobody did anything about it. And the warning signs were there. The warning signs were out there. We're telling we're telling our listeners to make those reports when you see this happen. 
Yeah, I just had to talk about the people who didn't get held accountable and are getting away with stuff. I it's just not okay, you guys. You guys have such a powerful position for these children. So you have to you got to do something. You got to got to be there for those kids. And one thing is, it's really important is, yeah, you make that phone call, but follow up with that phone call. Make sure something happened. I mean, if you are doing an anonymous, it is what it is, you know, it's anonymous. But if you're making that phone call and your name is in there, follow up, try and get that report, like push that person, push that social worker. Do it because somebody's got to do it. Do something, people. People, do something about this. And now I'm going to be talking about the ugly, disgusting, unfortunate mother this poor boy had. <laughs> um, and I'm going to be talking about her background. And I'm going to be so you can get a better understanding of who she is. Because that's one thing you have to know is a lot of reasons why people get the way they are is because of their past and what they've gone through. Mm -hmm. Still does not acceptable for what happened. You, sh you shouldn't have had custody of your child. Right. So, at the age of nine, for Pearl Fernandez began using methamphetamine. That's that's freaking young to yeah. be using meth. And drinking alcohol, she started at the age of 11. Man. Then she decided to run away from home and drop out of school in the 8th grade. When Gabriel was born, she abandoned him at the hospital three days after his birth. Although, she still regained custody in the 2012. She also claims that many of her romantic partners, including her most recent partner, Agrary, were abusive to her. However, Elizabeth Carnanza, Fernandez's aunt, and her husband claim that Fernand Fernandez falsely portrays herself as a victim and that it, it was Fernandez who was abusive and controlling towards her romantic partners. Well, that can't all be true because, I mean, he reported to his teacher that his mother had punched him in the face. Right. And so the mom keeps trying to say, no, it wasn't me. And she always kept saying that it was the boyfriend. But no, she has a violent background. In the months leading to Gabriel's death, Pearl reported abusing the opiate drugs oxycodone and Norco. She has been diagnosed with several mental health issues, including depressive disorder, developmental disability, a possible personality disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder. In 2011, Fernandez took a co cognitive ability test scoring in third percentile in the verbal comprehension portion of the test, which is on the par with a typical second grade student. 
So again, there needs to be more looking into it. She was not fit to be having custody of her child, obviously. Right, right. <laughs> he was happy. He had a good home for the first four years of his life. I mean, why would they do that? Just because... Just because I think because some... it's been grandfather has more rights than an uncle would. And it goes with that. And that's just unfortunate. And then whenever they felt that she was suitable to be a parent again, I guess the courts decided she was suitable. And then, dude, only six. It took six months. It's just tragic. But at least she is paying for what she did. She is serving time for first-degree murder in Central California Women's Facility. She was admitted to the facility on June 21st, 2018. But within research, <clears throat> she was had a special um, deal where she wasn't going to be on death row. But within research that I'm seeing is that went out of the window and she is on death row. At least she got charged. I mean, unlike uh, Casey Anthony didn't get charged. Yeah. Um, but what happened to the boyfriend, Joel? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about her partner, um, Asar I wanna, Asario, Asaro Aguari. I might just try and say Aguari throughout the podcast. Um, do it, girl. Do it. There's no judgment. With... There's no judgment. The crazy thing is, is with reading his background, you guys, there wasn't a lot of things badly said about him by the community. He worked at a retirement hotel, and everybody said he was well-mannered. He was super sweet. He, the, to the old people, he would always take them on the scenic routes instead of the boring routes. And then... All of a sudden, then he switched jobs and then met Pearl. And I don't know if they just got into bad habits together. And I don't, he's, he was stuck on his ways and he believed that Gabe was gay and he did not like that. And because of that, he tortured and beat him. So. On May 22nd, 2013, Pearl Fernandez and Osario Aguari severely beat Gabriel and he was transported to the hospital by emergency services. He was declared brain dead and taken off life support at Children's Hospital Los Angeles on May 24th, 2013. His official autopsy declared his cause of death to be blunt force trauma commingled with malnourish and neglect. At the time of his death, he was four feet one inch tall and weighed 56 pounds. The ambulance got there. He was naked with several injuries up and down his body. I don't know why he was naked. 
They're trying to say they severely beat him because he was failing to clean up his toys. The next day, on May 23rd, Pearl Fernandez and Osario Guerri were arrested. Fernandez was arrested for felony child endangerment, while Guerri was arrested for attempted murder. However, when Gabriel Fernandez died, Fernandez and Aguirre were both charged with first-degree murder with special circumstance of torture. Prosecutors pursued the death penalty. Pearl Fernandez pled guilty on February 15, 2018 to her charge as part of a plea deal to avoid the death penalty and was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. In court, she stated, I want to say I'm sorry for what happened. I wish Gabriel was alive. Every day I wish that I would have made better choices. I'm sorry to my children, and I want them to know that I love them. I don't know how much of that I believe. Because you only had your boy for six months, and within that six months, you tortured the fuck out of him. And this almost demands that comment be made uh, about this case. It goes without saying that uh, the conduct was horrendous, inhumane, and nothing short of evil. Uh, the repeated beatings, burning, starving, binding, uh, shooting Gabriel with uh, BBs that were embedded in different parts of his body, knocking his teeth out with a bat, uh, locking him in a dark cabinet while he's bound, and starving this, this poor child. I, I, it is unimaginable the pain that this child probably endured. And uh, from what I heard, Gabriel was a, a, a kind, loving individual who just wanted to be loved. And so, uh, you know, you want to say that the conduct was animalistic, but that would be wrong. Because even animals know how to take care of their young. Some just, they should have just left him with his uncle. They I mean, should have. I know, I know it's not good to do, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda. But people, like, really, there were 60 comp- 60 phone calls. He was in a good home. Take him out of that because somebody just doesn't like that that the uncle was gay. Right? Yeah. And so take him out of a perfectly good home. Where he's happy. And healthy. Taken care of. And then... You know, in a matter of six months, the kid is is dead because and 60 phone calls in 60 phone calls in in six months. That's a lot, man. Do the math. What? How much would that be? 60 phone calls in six months. That is like 10 a month, right? On the average, 10 a month. By what I was reading, the teacher was reporting it, like, day in, day out. So that number's probably not even accurate. I don't even believe it. I don't. What? When did he pass away? What was that date again? May 22nd. Okay. 2013. 
And I want to remind you guys that in February of this year, he would have been 16 years old. We need to bring awareness to things like this. Don't hide it under the rug. These are young children who deserve better. They deserve for us to stand up for them. When they're asking and begging for help, they're innocent children who need the help. Help them. It is up to us as adults, as adults, as a community, to stop the suffering of these children. It's only us that can do it. You have people like Casey Anthony. You have people like Pearl. Pearl Isaro Iguari. And they're not owning up. They're not stepping up. No. These people killed their children. Yeah, Casey Anthony has not been charged for it, but she did it. Right, Joel? I believe it. Somebody did it. It's up to us as adults to make sure that these children are being heard. We have to do our part. We have to come together as a community and stop the suffering of the children. Whether it's child abuse, child sexual abuse, family violence, human trafficking, a mental illness, a substance abuse within your home, rape. It is up to us to make sure that we stand and we speak for these children because they don't have a voice. We have to be that voice for them. We have to stand up and do what's right. There is a national phone number, right, Joel? Yeah, I have a couple resources um, and places you can get a hold of. So there's a website you can go to that's called dosomething.org. They're super great and also having a list of other resources to go to. But there's a number you can contact, and it's the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline, and that is at one 800-422-4453 and for 24-7 crisis support at your fingertips you can contact the crisis text line by texting DS to 741741 for additional resources you can go to dosomething.org or you can also go to the National Children's Alliance. Those are great places, and that's where I got most of this stuff. But again, I have to remind you guys, the stuff is not up to date. It is from 2018, and I'm going to try my hardest to try and look up and do my research to the most up-to-date stuff. And I know that we have listeners from Japan to the UK, Australia... We have, them, we have listeners everywhere. Yes. My recommendation is because we're not familiar with all of the national, you know, every single area, is make sure 
that if you're going to pledge today, just like we are pledging, if you're going to pledge, look up your location, write down that phone number, put it in your phone, and let's bring awareness to this, but let's make sure that we act if we see this abuse. We have to be good advocates for these children. They, uh, like you say, they don't have a voice. Think about the children who had to witness their siblings doing this, whether, you know, what kind of mental abuse that was on a child. You don't know, you don't know what is going to, what angle, what path that that person is going to take whether it's going to be mental illness, whether they're going to become abusers, whether they're going to become substance abusers, whether they're going to kill themselves. You don't know. You don't know. Right now, we have a troubled youth. We have a big problem with that because of the way society is. If there's one thing that we can stop, we can stop child abuse, right? We need to try. We need to at least try. We can't jump into every single home. But what we can do, if we can just help one person, just one person, we did our job, right? I want to try. I want to, um, yes. I think if we can try, if we help, if we just even help a couple kids, that would mean a lot. And I would also like to figure out a little bit more about when you report to child services, where that goes and how accountable they can be. 60 phone calls people and reports from one institution to another or something should have been done. So obviously there's a flaw there, right? And that child didn't have to die. And I don't know much about um, child services. I mean, I would have thought it would have stopped there. But obviously whether these people are overworked or not, a job has to be done. A job has to be done. There's a time to call CPS, and there's a time not to call. You have to know what child abuse is. Yeah, I mean, if you see physical signs of abuse, if you see neglect, if you are noticing it, if you, if you are a family member, if you're a friend and you're witnessing it, don't turn, don't turn away. Remember, we're people just like you, and we care about our community. And we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that everybody is informed. Until next time, I'm Sarah. And I'm Jewel. Peace.
What the F is Ladylike is produced by us. Our sound engineer is by Brendan Ginn. Our theme song, yes, yes, we got a theme song. You're listening to it all through the show, is by Comeback Karma. Don't forget to like and subscribe.